0: Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Fairy Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, The Fairies of Merlin's Craig, from the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Grierson. There are just certain places on this earth that seem to be completely charged with magic and lore. Obviously, Scotland is one of those places, and Ireland, but still, you have so many different options when it comes to lore, but fairies definitely are the standout in Scotland and Ireland. But what about the lure of Merlin? And what is Merlin's craig? If you decided you needed a long walk on a bleak, soggy moorland, well, you could certainly head on out to Lanarkshire, Scotland, and keep on walking until you see a mound of jagged rocks rising out of the peat bog. That would be Merlin's craig. The folks that live there say that over a thousand years ago, the famous wizard Merlin lived and practiced magic among those rocks, no doubt, using the black peat that was all around him, you see. Peat is like no other earth. It burns, gives warmth and life to the people who seek out a living on the moorlands. Atherian mythology is native to Scotland and is found in a lot of oral traditions. There is a Scots Gaelic song translated as the Sweet Sorrow, which has been called an Aetherian Ballad. In legend, Mordred, nephew of King Arthur, was raised in Orkney, and it is speculated that Camelon, in Stirlingshire may have been the original Camelot. Elizabeth Grierson, the author, collected a variety of stories. Growing up in Scotland, she published more than 30 books, but several collections were of Scottish fairy stories, folk tales, and ballads. So now we have two different types of lore colliding. We have fairies and we have Merlin. Now fairies were originally the pre-Christian divinities of Gaelic Scotland. Christianity came along and began to supersede most of the original mythology. But the medieval Gaelic literati grouped themselves together and started to tell stories and Folk beliefs. There are so many supernatural beings whose characteristics definitely reflect folkloric patterns around the world. But fairies and Merlin, two of my favorite things coming together in tonight's story The Fairies of Merlin's Crag. From the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Gerson. About 200 years ago, there was a poor man working as a laborer on a farm in Lanarkshire. He was what is known as an Ura man. That is, he had no special work mapped out for him to do, but he was expected to undertake odd jobs of any kind that happened to turn up. One day, his master sent him out to cast peats on a piece of moorland that lay on a certain part of the farm. Now, this strip of moorland ran up at one end to a curiously shaped crag, known as Merlin's crag, because, so the country folks said, that famous enchanter had once taken up his abode there. The man obeyed, And being a willing fellow, when he arrived at the moor, he set to work with all his might and main. He had lifted quite a quantity of peat from near the crag, when he was startled by the appearance of the very smallest woman that he had ever seen in his life. She was only about two feet high, and she was dressed in a green gown and red stockings, and her long yellow hair was not bound by any ribbon, but hung loosely round her shoulders. She was such a dainty little creature that the astonished countryman stopped working, stuck his spade into the ground, and gazed at her in wonder. His wonder increased when she held up one of her tiny fingers and addressed him in these words... What wouldst thou think if I were to send my husband to uncover thy house? You mortals think that you can do aught that pleaseth you. Then, stamping her tiny foot, she added in a voice of command, Put back that turf instantly, or thou shalt rue this day. Now the poor man had often heard of the fairy folk, and of the harm that they could work to unthinking mortals who offended them. So in fear and trembling, he set to work to undo all his labor, and to place every divot in the exact spot from which he had taken it. When he was finished, he looked around for his strange visitor, but she had vanished completely. He could not tell how, nor where. Putting up his spade, he wended his way homewards, and going straight to his master, he told him the whole story, and suggested that in the future, the peats should be taken from the other end of the moor. But the master only laughed. He was a strong, hardy man and had no belief in ghosts, or elves, or fairies, or any other creature that he could not see, but although he laughed, he was vexed that his servant should believe in such things. So to cure him, as he thought of his superstition, he ordered him to take a horse and cart, and go back at once, and lift all the peat, and bring them to dry in the farm steading. The poor man obeyed with much reluctance and was greatly relieved, as weeks went on, to find that in spite of his having done so, no harm actually, befell him. In fact, he began to think that his master was right, and that the whole thing must have been a dream. So matters went smoothly on, winter passed and spring and summer until autumn came round once more And the very day arrived on Which the peats had been lifted the year before That day as the sun went down The Ora man left the farm to go home to his cottage And as his master was pleased with him Because he had been working very hard lately He had given him a little can of milk As a present to carry home to his wife so he was feeling very happy and as he walked along he was humming a tune to himself. His road took him by the foot of Merlin's Craig and as he approached it he was astonished to find himself growing strangely tired. His eyelids dropped over his eyes as if he were going to sleep and his feet grew as heavy as lead. I will "'Sit down and take a rest for a few minutes,' he said to himself. "'The road home never seemed so long as it does today.' "'So he sat down on a tuft of grass, right under the shadow of the crag. "'And before he knew where he was, he had fallen into a deep and heavy slumber. "'When he awoke, it was near midnight, and the moon had risen.' "'and he rubbed his eyes when by its soft light "'he became aware of a large band of fairies "'who were dancing round and round him, "'singing and laughing, "'pointing their tiny fingers at him "'and shaking their wee fists in his face. "'The bewildered man rose "'and tried to walk away from them, "'but turn in whichever direction he would. "'The fairies accompanied him, "'encircling him in a magic ring, "'out of which he could know in wise go. "'At last they stopped, "'and with shrieks of elven laughter "'led the prettiest and daintiest of their companions "'up to him and cried, "'Tread a measure, tread a measure, O oh man, "'then wilt thou not be so eager to escape "'from our company?' Now the poor laborer was but a clumsy dancer, and he held back with a shame-faced air. But the fairy, who had been chosen to be his partner, reached up and seized his hands, and lo, some strange music seemed to enter into his veins. For in a moment, he found himself waltzing and whirling, sliding and bowing, as if he had done nothing else but dance all his life. And the strangest thing of all, he forgot about his home and his children, and he felt so happy that he had no longer the slightest desire to leave the fairy's company. All night long the merriment went on, the little folk danced and danced as if they were mad, and the farm man danced with them, until at last a shrill sound came over the moor. It was the rooster from the farmyard crowing its loudest to welcome the dawn. In an instant, the revelry ceased, and the fairies with cries of alarm crowded together and rushed toward the crag, dragging the countrymen along in their midst. As they reached the rock, a mysterious door which he never remembered having seen before "'opened in it of its own accord "'and shut again with a crash "'as soon as the fairy host "'had all trooped through. "'The door led into a large, "'dimly lighted hall "'full of tiny couches, "'and here the little folk "'sank to rest, "'tired out with their exertions, "'while the good man "'sat down on a piece of rock "'in the corner, "'wondering what would happen next?' but there seemed to be some kind of spell thrown over his senses, for even when the fairies awoke and began to go about their household occupations and to carry out certain curious practices which he had never seen before and which, as you will hear, he was forbidden to speak of afterwards, he was content to sit and watch them without in any way attempting to escape. As it drew toward evening, someone touched his elbow, and he turned round with a start to see the little woman with the green dress and scarlet stockings who had remonstrated him for lifting the turf the year before. She was standing by his side. "'The divots which you thou tookest from the roof of my house have grown once more,' she said, "'and once more it is covered with grass.' So thou canst go home again, for justice is satisfied. Thy punishment hath lasted long enough, but first must thou take thy solemn oath never to tell to mortal ears what thou hast seen whilst thou hast dwelt among us. The countryman promised gladly and very solemnly took the oath. Then the door was opened and "'and he was at liberty to depart. "'His can of milk was standing on the green "'just where he had laid it down "'when he went to sleep, "'and it seemed to him "'as if it were only yesternight "'that the farmer had given it to him. "'But when he reached his home "'he was speedily undeceived, "'for his wife looked at him "'as if he were a ghost, "'and the children whom he had left wee toddling things were now well-grown boys and girls who stared at him as if he had been an utter stranger. "'Where hast thou been all these long, long years?' cried his wife when she had gathered her wits and seen that it was really he and not a spirit. "'And how!' couldst thou find it in thy heart to leave the barons in me alone? And then he knew that one day had passed in Fairyland, but it lasted seven whole years, and he realized how heavy the punishment had been which the wee folk had laid upon him. The end... I hope you enjoyed the story, the fairies of Merlin's Craig. You know, between last week's story and this week's story, fairies can be very, very dangerous. So if you find yourself mucking about in a bog in Scotland, don't pick up the peat. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the reviews. You are all amazing and I appreciate it. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us again. Today is the beginning of November when the nights get longer and the days get shorter. Longer nights hopefully mean more sleep. I'm Ashley Lambert, and this is very sleepy. Until next time, good night.